0: We live in a designed world, the objects, campaigns, services, really all that surrounds us has been designed to meet a range of needs, sometimes of the users and consumers, but often a whole range of needs from those who benefit from their use, incorporation or application. One result of our capitalist society is that there are a number of designs out there that are quite frankly bad. As designers, we have the responsibility to carefully consider what we design, and to do so I recently encountered a very interesting, and might I add, free resource published by a company called Very Nice. The founder and managing director of this very interesting company is Matthew Manos, who I convinced to join me for a conversation from the other side of the world to discuss his career, company, the Less Bad Design Toolkit, as well as maybe some future projects. With much excitement, I would like to welcome Matthew.
1: Thank you so much, Sophie. It's nice to be here and thanks everybody for listening.
0: To start, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am a design strategist uh, and what that means is I work with businesses in order to try to understand sort of the needs and priorities that they have for their future that they're trying to create, their goals, you know, their ambitions, new products, all of these things. But then I also take time to get to know the needs of their end users or their stakeholders. What are their priorities or their goals? What are their pain points? And then ultimately as a design strategist, try to suggest what we should design based on finding a sort of in between or a compromise between those two things. So I do this kind of work with nonprofit organizations, with startups, a big mix of people. Uh, and I do that under my practice Very Nice, which I'm sure we'll talk a little more about as well.
0: Yes. Yeah, so you are the founder and managing director of Very Nice. Could you tell us, you know, in practice, what do some of the products look like or the services that you provide? And maybe as well, why did you start the company?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think, so first, something interesting about Very Nice is we give half of our work away for free to nonprofit organizations. And we do this because I learned that every year in the United States alone, so if we were to include the UK in this, it'd be even bigger. Um, Nonprofits spend close to $8 U.S. billion a year on design and marketing services. And when I learned that, I thought, gosh, there must be some other model that could allow these organizations to have access to these services that they need, but maybe at a fraction of the cost or maybe even for free. And so we launched with the commitment and the mission to alleviate expenses for nonprofit organizations just so that they can invest more in their cause. And that's been kind of our mission since day one. We, uh, we launched in 2008. So uh, this April actually will be, I think our 14th birthday. Um, so we've been, we've been around for a while, which you know, hopefully is proof that even though giving half sounds a little crazy, it, it can actually work uh, you know, as a business and, and still sustain us as well. But in terms of you know, what do we actually do, that's changed a lot over the years. We used to be a visual design firm. So we would uh, focus on things like logo design or website design or marketing materials and so on. But then we moved into dis- design strategy, which I described. And in terms of kind of design strategy, what we actually do or what we focus on, it tends to be three different verticals. So one of those is brand strategy, helping you know organizations best position themselves and kind of communicate what makes them really great. Um, experience design, which is thinking especially in digital spaces. How can customers best work with your company or best, you know, have that experience that will allow them to solve that pain point that they came to you with? And then the third vertical is strategic foresight. And so this is helping organizations map out their future, develop strategic plans, vision statements, uh, and so on. So it's a it's a nice mix of things. There's never a day that looks the same, which is nice. <laughs>
0: There's been any companies that you've worked with nonprofit that have really sort of stood out as an experience, maybe also from learning of it as well.
1: Oh yeah, you know I think one of the really nice things about working with nonprofit organizations is you're always working with people that are so passionate. Uh, you know, there there might be some personal relationship they have to this cause or experience or anything like that, but also the people that they're working with every day are so grateful. Uh, And that that is just a really nice environment to work in. One one I feel like that has been particularly impactful for me is our work with the American Heart Association. Uh, This is a massive nonprofit organization in the U.S., but also operating abroad uh, that's tackling heart health issues. So things like stroke or heart attack and and so on. And being able to work with them on very big-picture visioning and strategic planning has been really satisfying to me. But in general, you know, I will say, I think what's really great about working with these organizations and also for-profits, you know, the fact that we don't focus on any specific type of industry, I'm constantly learning about something new, you know? So uh, one day I might be doing um, some, some marketing strategy for a mariachi band. I've literally done that. Um, The next day, I might be talking to scientists about heart or or about pancreatic cancer, you know, these really incredible things that I just never would have been able to learn about otherwise.
0: Going on to sort of the half of the business is trying to work not for profit or sort of Giving the services away, you have volunteers who sign up. Could you tell us a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so that's really kind of the magic of how it works. Um, we have a network of over a thousand different people who have approached us and said, "Hey, I really like this mission. This resonates with me. And I'm a designer, or I'm a strategist, or I'm a researcher. You know, can I help with some of these projects?" So that's how we ultimately are able to do as much work as we do is we assemble teams of people that are passionate and that want to help do this work pro bono alongside of us as well um so yeah so that's definitely another very unique aspect of our business
0: the jewelry listeners to my podcast might think this is all really brilliant but what does matt do that is really specifically relevant to us well, I have a small example. It's the resource toolkit you published, Less Bad Design, a toolkit for ethical ideation. Now, could you tell us a little bit more about this toolkit? Why you designed it and why it's important?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so I, I kind of noticed, and a lot of people I'm sure noticed, that not all good design is actually good, right? Like you might have, for example, the most beautiful piece of jewelry in the world, but the way in which it was created is maybe, you know, uh, missing out on some ethical standards. Right. I know that there's a lot of issues in the jewelry space, for example, around, you know, complex supply chains or environmental concerns or the social concerns of the workers creating these or discovering, you know, these diamonds and things like that. Um, and, and so as a result, you know, there's kind of this dilemma of designers of all types where we want to create beautiful things, we want to create meaningful solutions, but we don't want to also create bad things. But unfortunately, even though that's what we desire, it happens a lot, right? So this toolkit, uh, what I started out by doing was I started thinking, what are all of the most common sort of unintended consequences uh, that designers face? And I made a list, uh, and then I put that same question on Twitter. And I asked you know, the Twitter community, what do you see? And they, they gave me a few additional things. And I ended up with 12 things, and we call these the 12 principles for bad design. Uh, and they, they're things such as you know, displacement, right? A lot of times, um, a design solution is trying to really streamline things and people might get hurt. They might lose their job in that process. Um, you know, it can be things like cultural appropriation, you know, borrowing or sort of stealing from other cultures that you aren't representative of, and that can be harmful and offensive to people. Um, things like a band-aid solution, where maybe you're you're missing out on the potential to solve the actual root cause of a problem, and are instead creating sort of a temporary solution. So, you know, those are a few examples, and we have a total of twelve of these. And what we do with the toolkit is we say, hey, you have some kind of idea, some kind of design you want to make, reflect on these 12 principles, which are you doing, right? And, and the, the, the fact is you're doing one of them. It's, it's impossible to, unless you're some saint, <laughs> you know, some perfect saint, it's impossible to imagine something without having some kind of unintended consequence or issue, And I think you definitely see that in the jewelry space as well. And, you know, the the goal here is you reflect on these things and you flag this for yourself early enough where you can do something about it, right? Where you can say, hey, the environmental, uh, you know, issues or the carbon footprint that our piece of jewelry is creating is really bad, right? What can we do about it? And that's kind of the key thing. It's not, okay, let's stop, let's quit, let's never do this. It's what can we do about it? How can we offset that? How can we mitigate that? Or if we're going to accept it, what can we do sort of to pay back for, for that uh, you know, ethical debt of sorts? Um, so yeah, so the toolkit, you know it's primarily centered around that. There's a lot of other sort of reflection activities and things like that to take you along the way. But that's the core of it. And I found that it's really been helpful in my own work. Whenever I make recommendations to a client, I use this to check myself. Um, I use this a lot with my students as well when they're developing their own project ideas. I say, hey, let's take a look at these principles and see uh, if you're doing any of these things and let's catch it as early as possible.
0: Now, we met, albeit virtually, at a conference where I asked you about the toolkit's potential for consumers. Now, because we kind of need to also change the mindset of our consumers if we want to change the marketplace, will this be something you are interested in pursuing? And do you maybe have any thoughts on how you think all of us could help make this change happen?
1: Yeah, and you know, when you you brought that up, I really loved it because... Right now, the toolkit, as, as anybody will see when they, when they download this, it is for the designer, right? Like, it is for the person that is coming up with the idea that's making this solution of whatever sort it is. But, yeah, the fact is, you know, they're designers, everybody, there's a lot of pressure based on the demands of consumers and the demands of, of the market. And at the end of the day, if the consumers don't care about these principles or these ethical issues, it is going to be really hard to find the incentive to actually do better, right? And because we all want to do better, I think part of what we need to do is educate users in the world, customers, right? Purchasers of jewelry or or of whatever else, you know, of these issues And once they're educated of these issues, they can actually have a new set of expectations when going into that jewelry store, right, or or going anywhere to buy anything. And the moment that those expectations become commonplace, that's when you see not just the individual designers changing, but the industry that we work within as well. So in my mind, you know, I would love in the next iteration of this to have sort of also a filter that could be used by consumers right uh that they could take through which might not be that different honestly than these same principles but it is but it would it would shift the questioning and it would shift the reflection you know to be more geared towards what is that end user thinking about all of this
0: you mentioned you talk to your clients about you know your process and thinking through these questions in advance do you have any sort of top tips on how to broach these subjects with a customer for someone who wants to start doing that, but isn't quite sure on how to do this?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, what I found is, uh, luckily, I work with a lot of clients, almost all like all of my clients, they're already sort of ha- have ethical cultures in general. So I I can't say I've ever had to really battle to say, hey, we, we need to think about it in this way. But when I have been in that kind of position, I tend to try to look at case studies or examples where the person maybe didn't take that positive path. And then what happened, right? Like what did that bad design actually do to their business sort of in a negative manner? And I found that that can be really helpful for kind of the, the high-hanging fruit, so to speak, Um, you know, people that maybe wouldn't just immediately get this. When it comes to talking to everyday consumers, I think that there can be messaging and marketing created that sort of celebrates the good things that we're doing that we maybe otherwise hadn't been acknowledging or celebrating in some kind of way, Um, you know, and actually kind of bringing those to the forefront, I think, would be something that could really help, again, kind of educate folks that this matters this is important this is a thing that you should be looking for
0: do you have a couple of examples of sort of bad design that you (laughs) have seen or real clear examples of bad design principles
1: yeah well so so one that i that i always love to talk about it's with kentucky fried chicken (laughs) and this is so this is a giant fast food you know chain Um, of course, that sells fried chicken. Um, For a while, it was the top fast food chain in the US, even even above McDonald's. And they had, I wanna say this was maybe 10 years ago at this point, it was a long time ago. They had created a campaign uh, called Buckets for the Cure. And this was a campaign that was in collaboration with the Susan G. Komen Foundation, a major breast cancer uh, foundation. And what they did is they were selling pink buckets of, of fried chicken in order to raise money for breast cancer. And, you know, at first you think, okay, there's no harm in this. I mean, this is great. They're raising money for a really great cause, they're raising awareness. More people are, you know, ultimately learning about this. You know, again, more funds are ultimately coming in. But then when you look closer and what ultimately happened activists pointed out, hey, fried food actually can cause cancer, right? And so there's this sort of deep irony that ultimately is a great example of a Band-Aid solution, right? Of, hey, let's raise some money, but let's not actually change the fact that we're part of the problem, right? And if we change that, that would actually be way more impact than if we were to raise some money this October, right? So um, so I think that that's a really great example. And I would say, you know, there's a lot of good examples of, of good design as well. Um, you know, one, one client we actually have worked with in the jewelry space, um, they're called Etkie, it's E-T-K-I-E. Uh, we, we worked with them on their branding. Uh, And they're a really wonderful uh, organization that is basically working with women in Native American communities, and they're trying to create a platform for them to sell their beaded jewelry, which is just really beautiful uh, product. But um, before this platform, it's typically just local sales, like very much, you know, popping up in a store, things like that. And this platform was able to turn that into national sales. Uh, in terms of being able to actually sell this product online in a really sort of legitimate way. Um, So I think that what's really nice about that is the business is trying to very much lift up the the actual creators without taking credit for this work at all, just saying, hey, we're creating a platform to do this. And I think that that uh, ultimately leads in a more kind of equitable Um, approach to selling design right so just throwing that in there like there are good examples of course
0: (laughs) i think this is a very very good example can i just ask you to sort of clarify how your involvement could help a company like this you have to think about how do you scale something that's relatively small and local up that large is a larger question than just branding isn't it
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, so I think the way that we really uniquely help companies is we help them clarify what should we be designing in the first place, instead of making assumptions, creating all these things. And it turned out that wasn't the right approach, either from a business perspective or from an ethical perspective, or or anything else. Um, So we help bring clarity to that. But the other thing that we do on the note of sort of scalability and things like that is we're, we're very good at helping people set their vision uh, for, for their business and making that vision really tangible through sort of actionable planning as well. So if, you know, if a company were to come to us, I think that that's really the value that we've been able to provide um, others. And through the lens of things like these principles, you know, part of why we created this open source is it, it'd be great to have us consult people on this but ultimately, you know, we, want, we just want more people to be thinking in this way, right? So we just put this online. Anybody can download it for free. Um, and that's kind of the ultimate goal is that it just reaches as many people as possible.
0: Success doesn't necessarily have to be a huge profit. Mm-hmm. Is that something you challenge with your customers too? What is your idea of success?
1: Oh, yes, That's, that is such a great question. This is something I think about with my clients, with myself, uh, and with my students, because I think very often, I don't even think I know, like very often, right, we set our standard of success based on something else we've seen, right, but that something else isn't us, you know, and this is something that took me way too long to realize because I did this myself. I was always like, you know, I have to have a big office. I have to have a big team. I have to, you know, have big clients and and then I'll be successful. But at one point, you know, I had all of those things and I was, and I was like, Hey, why am I not happy? Right. Oh, maybe because I am successful to this person over here, but not to me. Right. And so that, that question is great. And everybody should think about this because what is success to us is very different to others. And if you're, if you're a client, right. Or if you're a company that is saying, Hey, you know, we want to start this new product and we want it to be something that's in every household. Right. Well, one question is, do you want to make sort of a small shift for a million people, or do you want to make a big impact for a smaller group of people? Right. And I think that we default to the big, you know, to, to the small for a big amount of people. But in that, and there's nothing wrong with that. That might be the case. But if we don't just stop and kind of ask, what are our actual goals? How does this actually relate, you know, to our mission, to what we're trying to actually do? Um, we could end up following a path that's just not authentic to, to what we're actually trying to do. And we can get lost in that path and then kind of have regrets, you know, and that's, that's a huge bummer.
0: Finally, I want to, yeah, don't want to take up all of your time. I know you're super busy with what you do, and it's great work. So last question is, what's in store for you in the near future? Is there anything you are working on that would be interesting to the wider design field that you're happy to share with us?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So Gosh, I'm working on a lot of things right now. I think one of, one of the things that I am trying to do is, is take a look at all of the toolkits we've created because this one, Less Bad Design, um, is one of maybe 30. We have so many toolkits that we've created. And I've been trying to take a look at those. And in terms of what the future stores see, you know what, what gaps are there, both in topics that we could cover that we haven't already but also uh, in trying to better connect these toolkits with one another, right? So we, we have each of these that can be done completely alone, um, but it would be really great to have a kind of a, a greater curriculum around this. And so that's something I'm, I'm interested in right now. Um, in addition to you know, being able to hopefully do what we talked about of maybe making a consumer uh, you know friendly version of this, right? Or just continuing to build out this toolkit in particular because it's getting a lot of traction and interest from people so i would love to see that continue to evolve as well
0: amazing and do you have any sort of big goals for very nice or are you keen for it to continue going as it is
1: you know more so as it is but i will say that i would love to find a way to um you know maybe simplify our services even more um, and get better and better at communicating the value of design strategy uh, as well so that people you know who are very new to this kind of work that might benefit from it but don't know what it is and therefore don't know to ask for it that you know more people have kind of clear vocabulary around the kind of work that we do and that others in this space do as well. Um, but otherwise you know yeah, I don't have, huge ambitions of scaling it or anything I you know I'm kind of happy with with how it is and, and hope to just keep working with great clients on making you know positive things happen in the world.
0: Where should people listening follow you and to keep up to date with what's going on or to hear more about toolkits that are published?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you can learn more about very nice at very nice.co. Um, and then all of our toolkits are housed on a site called Reginald, which is R-E-G-I-N-A-L-D.co. Um, and that's where you can find the Less Bad Design toolkit as well. But the direct link to that is gum, like chewing gum, dot C-O, slash bad design. Um, so if you want to have, you know, the free download, it's pay what you want. So, it, you know, it's available to anybody. Um, I definitely recommend going there. And then to follow me, you can, op- you can find me on Instagram as well. You know, very nice Instagram, that's my handle. Uh, or on Twitter, very nice tweets. So I try to make it easy for everyone to find me.
0: <laughs> as a jewelry designer, it seems even more important to me that we ask ourselves whether our design is a contribution or whether it is in fact meeting any of these bad design principles covered in the less bad design toolkit. All we make requires resources, even an Instagram filter requires digital storage somewhere. And when we decide to use these resources, we better make sure we consider their contribution to the planet and people carefully, whether whatever we design is worth it. But it is true that each of us are only a small cog in a larger system. And I do believe we all have a collective duty to ensure our customers, our market and our industry all support the premise as it's very challenging to independently untangle oneself from a capitalist society. For leading the way, I would like to thank you, Matt. Thank you also for joining us today to ponder bad design, discuss your very fascinating company and future plans, and for all the work you are doing, making so many resources available for us for free. I recommend all listeners to continue following what you do next. So thanks so much.
1: Great. Thank you, Sophie. And thanks everybody for listening.
0: Next month, I'll be joined by another guest. So watch the space to find out who it is. But for now, this was Sophie Boons for the VHA podcast episode titled Less Bad Design with Matthew Manas. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.